c'est vrai. Je suis un ananas. Now, in the uh, towers of uh, Edmonton... I'm not a Tory. I don't speak on both sides. I do not use crack cocaine, nor am I an addict of crack cocaine. Ladies and gentlemen, girls of all ages. Boys and girls of all ages? That's way less creepy. Girls of all ages. (laughs) I don't care about boys, I only like girls. Okay, this guy. This is Fat, French, and Fabulous with your hosts, Jessica. Janelle. You didn't sound certain about that. It was not. I was was waiting for you to say your last name. (laughs) I was like, oh, I guess we're just doing first names this week. Yes, uh, like, you need to sound way more certain when you say your name, (laughs) because otherwise people are just going to assume that, like, I've kidnapped some random person, and every week it's just, like, a random kidnapped stranger that I've, I've, like, like... I've I've auto tuned to sound like like one person. She keeps me in the bathroom. <laughs> when I'm coughing, it's just Morse code for help me. <laughs> You're psychotic. <laughs> I mean, I know what's going on right now. It's intermittent. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm pretty sure that I am actually on the podcast this week because it's a Janelle week to pick the it topic. It is a Janelle week. It's a Janelle week. That's exciting. And they're always exciting. And the topic that I picked this week is the feud between the Melvin and Marriott families of Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia, I'm shocked. The Maritimes? God, right? What a unique choice for me. <laughs> I never talk about those sad provinces. So the the feud we're going to talk about between the Melvins and the Marriotts is sort of the Hatfield-McCoy feud of Canada, except it is not nearly as old, and it's like at least seven and a half times as sad. Is there more fish? There's actually no fish in this There's story. There's no fish? There's also a lobster? like no cow shit in this story, which like, is like, depending on what order we air these in that might not make sense yet (laughs) presumably okay so i here's what i maybe they just like maybe the lobsters are just implied where they just assume that you're gonna assume that everyone is like wearing a lobster or has a lobster somewhere on their person is this how you envision the maritimes like we're all just like either lobsters and human i went to nova scotia once and i saw a six foot tall disco lobster statue. Well, yeah. I mean, like, what else do you put in an airport? I know exactly what <laughs> statue you're talking about. I actually tried to find it. It's It was magnificent. I'm sad you didn't see it. I went it. around the airport texting you different pictures of the Halifax <laughs> airport looking for this lobster last time I was there. It was beautiful. Yeah, well, we're not actually all lobsters. Some of us are um, just moronic criminals. Okay, so, like, not every person in the Maritimes has an employment that is lobster or lobster-adjacent. No, if you can't find lobster or lobster-adjacent employment, it turns out you just sling drugs. Cool. And that's what these guys did. Um, So, like, this story is just incredible. Like, I was gonna do this as a subset of my, like, Petty Feuds of the Maritimes episode, but it turned out, like, this story is so awesome, it just had to be its own episode. And so, like, before I say anything else, it's like, I swear on the deity of your choice that all of this shit is true. Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter who it is. I will swear on any and all deities that, like, this happened according to CBC and CTV. They don't even have to be current deities. We will swear on ISIS, which was not not ISIS, ISIS. Holy shit, Jessica. (laughs) ISIS was originally an Egyptian deity, and we will swear on that. We will not swear on actual ISIS. We will swear at ISIS. Oh my god, I was gonna (laughs) go with, like, Odin or something less onerous, but okay, we went full, we went there. Yes. I, I once heard a story about a guy who got a tattoo that said ISIS on it because that was his favorite band. Oh, no. It is That tattoo is now very questionable. I know. I'm really glad I didn't buy, like, Archer merchandise a couple years ago. 
that would have been really awkward. Um, so this whole story takes place in Spryfield, Nova Scotia, uh, which is a town of 11,000 people that got so bored of itself it eventually voted to just become part of Halifax. And as I always do with these things, I looked at the town on Wikipedia, and it's just incredible. Uh, the Spryfield Wikipedia page says that the town's named after Captain William Spry, who bought the land in 1770 and noticed that it was a large, featureless field, and so it became known as Spryfield. Creative. Uh, 13 years later, he sold the place and went back to England. And I own, like, sim cities that have kept my attention longer than that. So this is this was not a place <laughs> worth hanging around for. Uh, is that just how people name things? They're just like, look off into the distance and just name it after what, like, the, the most notable thing that they see? I don't know. We live in Edmonton. I don't know, I don't know what we're named I don't actually know what Edmonton means. Me neither. I, see I know like, what Moose Jaw means. Well, shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how they pick that as a name, though. Is it just like Moose Jaws scattered as far as the eye could see? I don't... No idea. But a Saskatoon is a type of berry. I knew that one. They're actually quite good. Hmm. But Edmonton, I assume, is either, like, a person or, like, a word that the native people used before we kicked them out. Yeah. That's either. That's awkward. That's sad. Yeah. I mean, Canada is a native word. Oh, God. That, it's almost worse. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> they should not have let us in. So the We should have been turned back immediately. Yeah. So Spryfield, the Wikipedia section, says that the only things to do in town are a public pool, library, skate park, quote, lakes of various sizes, and community service meeting rooms. The article also lists under the recreation center gyms of various local schools, which I guess you can just break into if you want to. So library skate park, is that library skate Those park? Those are two things. Or I library just, skate park. I don't know how to do commas out loud. <laughs> And if you look Reading at- is totally tubular, dude. Oh, gross. <laughs> You're not that much older than me. You don't get to do that. <laughs> uh, so notable residents of Spryfield include a writer named Joey Como, because Comos are the master last name, I guess. Um, a porn star named Peter North, who they're happy to claim is one of their own. And absolutely no mention of the Melvin or Marriott families, which tells you like how fucking embarrassing it is. Like, when you are so desperate to have notable figures from your town that you're willing to claim the guy who, like, shows his penis off for a living? Yeah, people who show their penis on camera are less embarrassing than the Melvins and Marriott's. <laughs> which, it, it's, I can see why. So this feud has been going on, not the feud, but the, the families have sort of been active since the early 90s. Um, it died down for a little while because literally everybody involved was dead or in prison. And then they all got and, out. And that'll stop, put a stop to things. That will put a stop to most feuds. And then they all got out in the early 2000s and it started up again, except for the dead ones, because they, they stayed dead. The graveyard remained quiet. It did. Um, it got, they, way more of them went there. So when I was looking at the story, I was reading Vice News did actually a pretty good coverage of them. And they reached out to Stephen Schneider, who's the coordinator of the criminology graduate program at St. Mary's University. And he told them, quote, these guys are just knuckle-dragging morons. I wouldn't waste the ink on, in a pen on those guys unless you're trying to do an article about a bunch of stupid criminals. Fourth. Wow. Yeah. When you are too low down, when you are too low bar to be worth the time of a criminology program at worth, St. Mary's University. Worth the ink. So, fortunately, this is a podcast. You're not even worth a Bic. No, you're not. You're not worth a Bic pen. <laughs> <laughs> but as we know, words are worth far less. Our time recording this is worth less than a 99-cent Bic pen. <laughs> That's great. 
so back in the 90s, Eastern Canada was pretty much just entirely run by the Hells Angels. Like, this was just life there. Um, because the Hells Angels feed on human sadness, and I guess the Maritimes are just the best source of that. I mean, they're basically human sadness and fish. So, same thing. Yes. Um, Except human sadness does not have so pungent a smell. Fish makes me sad. Um, well, you're allergic to fish. I am allergic to fish. Don't feed it to me. I'll die. <laughs> uh, so the Melvins and the Marriotts were never actually, like, Hell's Angels members, as far as anybody knows. It's not like the Hell's Angels really, like, published attendance sheets of, for this. But, like, they spent a lot of time hanging around with known, fully packed members. Yeah, it was probably, like, a thing where, like, the Hell Angels, Hell's Angels were like, okay, we'll hang out with these guys, but, like... I mean, like, don't invite them. Don't invite them to the meet. Don't tell them where it is, okay? We're slumming here. <laughs> so, like, Everybody has that one friend. They, they were very much the one friend of the Hells Angels in the early 90s. Um, so I'm going to go like over some of the older members of the, of the feud. It's actually the younger people who are way more interesting. But on the Melvin side, we have Jimmy Melvin Sr. And this is going to get really fucking confusing because everybody in this story names their kids after themselves. Um, and he like, became known to the law in 1991 when he got traced to a truck that had 3.5 tons, like, not kilograms, tons of hashish, which is a great way to go to jail. Whoa. Yeah, and then in 1990... He had literal bales of weed. Literal bales of hashish in his truck. Um, his better arrest, though, was that in 1992, he Isn't was... Isn't that the concentrated stuff? I don't... I'm not good at drugs. Oh, I'm not good at drugs either. Aww. Someone has to be good at drugs. Someone out there. We just sound real dumb right now. Don't do drugs, kids. In, in 1992, he was involved in a plot to smuggle three tons of cocaine into the country on a Spanish vessel. Um, but what ended up happening was the, the vessel ended up getting into a 19-hour high-speed ocean chase with the U.S. Coast Guard before it sank in a storm off the coast of Newfoundland, taking the entire cargo down with it. And Melvin didn't know that any of this had happened, so he spent, like, two days out on a boat off the coast of Newfoundland looking for his cocaine before the law finally caught up to him. Um, so he ended up getting sentenced to eight years in prison in 1994 for the whole hashish thing, and they added another five and a half years for the whole cocaine on a boat thing. So he spent most of the 90s and early 2000s in prison and just, just sort of left the Marriott's to just run around doing Marriott stuff. It's really funny because, like, Tons of cocaine and tons of hashish just sounds like you're getting your measurements wrong. No, I know. It sounds like I'm fucking this up, but, like, this is literally <laughs> metric tons of drugs that he's <laughs> smuggling into the country. Like, this guy did not fuck around. I didn't... I'm just amazed that there was, like, that much of a market for cocaine in the Maritimes in the early 90s. I mean, I'm not... Bored actually, small towns. I'm not surprised. Never it's, mind. That's, that's what that is. Human I'm just sadness. surprised that there was, like, that much of a metric for hashish. Like, you usually don't get, like, you usually get, like, the generic stuff when you're in a small, small, sad town that has been left behind by the, but that has been left behind by globalization. Like, normally you don't get the, you you don't get, like, the really cool stuff. You don't get, (laughs) like, I I don't think people. You don't get to drop acid in, like, Sackville. Yeah, (laughs) I I don't think you get a lot of designer drugs in Sackville. (laughs) No, I can confirm that that's true. (laughs) <laughs> like I don't think St. Paul, Alberta is doing a lot of real of club stuff. <laughs> Where do you find a club in St. Paul, Alberta? It's, it's, it's probably my grandfather's house. That's probably like the closest thing is, is there is to a club. Christ. 
You come from a fascinating family. I mean, they're, they're pretty cool. So on the Marriott side, in the 80s and 90s in Spryfield, there was three brothers, Terry Sr., who again, decided to name his kid after himself, uh, Billy and Ricky Marriott, who were running around making a name for themselves running drugs. Um, and they were friends with fully patched members of the Hells Angels, but it's never clear how involved they were. Um, and in this story, it's worth noting that Ricky was actually in a wheelchair because uh, he'd been in a car accident some years ago. So what he would do is he would have his associates knock people over, and then he would just aggressively run them over with his wheelchair to beat them up. Wow. Yeah. So the family are a lot of things, but I guess they're uh, they're not ableists. I mean, <laughs> when, you be- when you believe in people, when you give them the the, the platform yeah. and the supports they need to succeed, they can be uh, the kind of criminal scum that the rest of the family is. Yeah. Can you imagine <laughs> just like going into a drug deal and getting aggressively mown down by a wheelchair? <laughs> it wouldn't feel real, would it? <laughs> this is a small town shit. Uh, so the family was just sort of like uh, minor players in the whole drug scene until 1988, when Terry Sr., who is not not the wheelchair bandit here, he went with a buddy named Arnold Smiley Bailey to steal drugs from a local boxer, and then somehow Smiley ended up getting shot in the head and killed. And Smiley seems like the name of a guy who gets shot in the head during a drug deal. Yeah, it does. So he he does, because he, he picked a bad nickname. And Terry Sr. was the prime suspect. And then nine months later, when they're still investigating this, the boxer goes to open the door... Goes to open the door to a person, an unknown person in a Halloween mask, who immediately shoots him in the face. Was this October? No, this was this was just somebody opening the door to somebody who's standing on the front step in a fucking Halloween mask. Okay, it seems so like a terrible idea. You're, what kind of criminal are you these, this that is, you don't find this immediately suspicious? I don't know. Apparently he was not good at what he did, and he died. Uh, so there's actually this recurring theme in the Marriott Melvin crimes where all of the witnesses in these stories seem to, like, mysteriously recant their stories, leave the area, or die. So, like, very few people actually end up going to jail for these crimes uh, as often as they should. And that's what happened here. Like, mysteriously, after the boxer got killed, none of the witnesses wanted to testify anymore. So Terry Sr. ended up getting acquitted. I think it's the spirit of the lobsters. Coming back for vengeance. I'm going to take you to Nova Scotia. <laughs> and we're going to go days without seeing a fucking lobster. And you're going to, it's going to blow your mind. <laughs> no, like, like, <gasps> honestly, like, you know what's an excellent way of making sure no one ever talks about what you did? You know, just people mysteriously, violently dying. Show up in a fucking purge mask? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, it's very, like, there's a, there's a purge theme that runs through all of this. Um, so in the late 90s, there was two men who decided they were going to muscle in on the Hells Angels territory in Halifax, which is a terrible fucking idea. And the dudes were named William Wendelborg, which just sounds, that just sounds like a name that will get you shoved into a high school locker. Goodness gracious. And Robert McFarlane, and they wanted to muscle in on Paul Wilson's Reflections Cabaret, which Wendelborg was, does not seem like a real name. No, it doesn't. It that sounds like an alias, but that's. I mean, at that point, you you kind of have to choose a criminal nickname. You can't be William you'd be Wendelborg. Off, you'd be better off being Smiley, and then you'd get shot in the face. So, like, where does that leave you? Fuck. What is a criminal nickname that won't get you shot in the face? Uh, fat Tony or something. Fat Tony. I, I bet there are fat very, anything. It just, fat it's, anything. It's just it's very friendly. That's great. It's it, it's friendly yet intimidating. Fat Fat Tony's like fat <clears throat> anything feels like the kind of person who's not usually in the firefights. 
he's usually behind the scenes making sure everything's 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 good. Everything's good. Everything's good. I don't think they have Italian accents in rural Nova Scotia. Well, they should get them. They make them classier as criminals. Then people would write about them. Oh, people wrote about them, and (laughs) all of it's hysterical. So, like, well, I mean, this part isn't funny. This is actually just people about to die. So, um, they go to muscle in on Paul Wilson's Reflections Cabaret, which was this, like, gay club, this infamous gay club that moonlighted as a drug den, which, I mean... I don't know how nightclubs moonlight as anything. I guess you're probably daylighting as something. Mm. You're open at night. Yeah, you're open at night. That wouldn't... Because, like, I've heard about... <laughs> yeah, like, like schools can moonlight at things because they're normally open at the day. But yeah. Like, interesting. There's, like, like, there's a long history of criminal organizations uh, extorting or running gay nightclubs because historically uh, homosexual institutions and homosexual people were afraid to go to the police which made them ripe for exploitation because, you know, like it was against the law or police were bigoted or and and very anti anti gay, which made uh, that particular population uncertain about uh, seeking out pe- police protection. I mean, that's super tragic, but I just can't get over the fact that I've never heard of a gay club referred to as a homosexual institution before. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that just stuck out to me in all if, of that. If, excuse me, uh, would you mind if I, if you if you came with me to, to this fancy homosexual institution I saw, I was planning on going down there and, and seeing my Jimmy Jam scene too with the nearest hot fella I, who, who wanted to two-step. That just sounds like something that your parents, like... F- fucking kidnap and drag you two to make you not gay anymore. <laughs> so we're, we're sending Timmy to the, the homosexual institution. Um, so Paul Wilson, who ran this club, like was was not a not a good dude. He had some pretty serious mob connections that he didn't really appreciate being muscled out of his own territory. So uh, both dudes end up dead. McFarlane gets shot by the Hell's Angels. Um, pretty straightforward. But Wendelberg was actually found dead in the woods. Beaten to a pulp and dead from a forced cocaine overdose. That sounds like how Wendelborg would die. Yeah, that's how Wendelborg went out. And Billy Marriott was one of the dudes hired to kill Wendelborg. So they lured him into Billy Marriott's home, claiming that they wanted to buy drugs from him. And then they kidnapped him, wrapped him in duct tape, beat him with a baseball bat, and poured liquid cocaine down his throat. Which I didn't actually know was a thing. Yeah, like, yeah, you have to heat it. I'm learning- What? Don't you have to- Like, like that's how you do it with, with crack, right? Where the fuck you... No, that's heroin. Uh, Golly gee. Holy shit. What the hell's going on in Grand Prairie? A lot of drugs. Oh my god. (laughs) But I don't get invited to those kinds of parties because I, quote, seem like a narc. (laughs) Do people say that to your face? Yes. You do seem like a narc. I'm going to second that. (laughs) I once tried to get a job at a drug paraphernalia store. What? And they were immediately suspicious because I was wearing suspenders. No, I don't even know what part of that story to comment on. <laughs> I, I was really sad. I could have used the job. <laughs> what? What the fuck? I wouldn't hire you either. You do seem like a narc. <laughs> I say Jimmy Jams and Golly G. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy a crack pipe from you. <laughs> so, like, true to the story, the guys who shot McFarlane. Uh, mysteriously ended up dead. Weird. Weird. Of course they did. But Billy was actually charged with Wendelberg's murder. Billy was also, around the same time, found at the scene of his brother Ricky's death. So Ricky, like the the wheelchair one, 
him and his wife were found shot dead in their home with no signs of a struggle. And when you're shot dead in your house with no sign of a struggle, like sitting in your usual position. Weird. It, weird. It usually means that you like knew and somewhat trusted your attacker, I guess, huh. foolishly. They don't seem at, they don't seem like they were at all concerned that someone was near them with a shotgun. Bizarre. That's bizarre. Huh. So the police found out well, when Billy was actually well. there and looked at them and said, oh, they were like this when I got here. Which is like what I used as a child when I was found near a broken vase, but like, oh, oh the cookies are just missing all by themselves. Oh, I don't, I don't know. They were like that when they got here. They didn't have enough evidence to say otherwise, so the case is still unsolved. Huh. It worked. Unsolved in air quotes. Unsolved. In, unsolved. Uh, it's, it's Terry, Terry Senior, um, who's going to be kind of the main guy here. Uh, he suspects that Billy did it, but actually the rest of the family disagree. They don't think that they could have turned on each other, which is ridiculous because they've just been eating each other like sharks for the rest of the entire story. <laughs> they're they're like one of those they're like one of those creatures that like when like when it's like when it gets injured and its guts spill out, it eats itself. Does that exist in nature? Yeah, bugs mostly. I'm leaving the planet <laughs> forever. Yeah, there's like a lot of bugs that like when they smell their own. Uh, internal juices will just eat how is how is that an instinct that helps anybody i I I don't i i think that like i think that mostly happens with very very simple animals where like they just have (laughs) an instinct to immediately eat when they smell like fats and and stuff like that that's fucking horrifying yes it is nightmares forever um so billy actually hung himself in his cell speaking of horrifying while awaiting trial for the Wendelborg murder, which left just Terry Marriott Sr. and his son. So they're they're sort of the only Marriotts that become part of this feud. Everyone else is dead. Just Yay. Terry and Terry. Just if Terry If you ever and get Terry. involved in crime, call yourself Terry. In, in Spryfield. Specifically, if you want to be a drug lord in Spryfield. Be Terry. So in 99... Only Terrys are safe. Yeah, only Terrys. Well, not really, because in 99, Terry Sr. and Jr., were arrested in something called Operation Crackpot, which is really subtle. <laughs> Super subtle. So this was like a multi-police organization. I, I don't suppose the police in Spryfield are that imaginative. I don't even know what passes for police in Spryfield. I, this was before the like Halifax Regional Municipality, I think. But like multiple police organizations got together for Operation Crackpot, which was a police operation to target street-level drug dealers in and around Halifax. It was probably just some <clears throat> random bureaucrat who was just like, Oh, man, we should come up with uh, something to call this. Oh, I know. I know. I know. Is that your Halifax accent? Is that? I don't think that's Halifax. No, it's not. It's not it's at all. It's very not Halifax. It's very not Halifax. <laughs> I don't actually know what that's like. What that, what that would be. Oh, I know. I know. Weak mm. bureaucracy. Weak. Yeah, it's just like some, <laughs> some random bureaucrat picked that and they're like, everybody really likes him, so nobody had the heart to change it. How do you change somebody's accent? Fuck no, not the accent, like the crackpot name. Oh. Yeah, it went, it's, I mean, that's what they called it. Oh, you know, you know, Bill, he really means well, and he has that weird accent. You know, people used to pick on him. I guess we'll go with crackpot. <laughs> well, it worked. They ended up getting 40 people in total, and the Marriott's were both put in jail till the mid-2000s. So things kind of calmed down here. Well, sort of. And then in 2001, the Halifax police launched Operation Hammer. <laughs> which was to dismantle the Hell's Angels in Halifax. And it, it worked. I mean, they shut down the clubhouse. They, like, the remaining members of the Hell's Angels either went to jail or they fled the province for Quebec and turned that into a shithole. Um, <clears throat> what are what are the odds that a man picked that name? 
Operation Hammer. Operation Hammer. We call it Operation Hammer because hammers are tools and that makes me feel manly. Do you like talk to men ever? No, no. I've met a couple. I mean, they're I think they were men. They might have been women with beards on. Grand Prairie. (laughs) (laughs) They might have been just like hirsute women. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Um, But it turns out like when you clear out an established gang from an area, it doesn't actually like get rid of gang activity. It just leads to a massive power vacuum. Wow. Wow. It's almost like when you get rid of drug suppliers, there are still people who want to buy drugs. Weird. So with this power vacuum, 19-year-old... B.J. Marriott, which was like a name he came up with by himself. B- if you have the option to not be B.J., don't be B.J. Don't be B.J. I mean, Do not be B.J. His real name is Brian James Bremner. He's actually a cousin of the family who went by Marriott. So not only is he intentionally calling himself B.J., he then takes a criminal name and just just adopts that last name. Um, so he teams up with Jimmy Melvin Jr., and they decide that together they're going to run a massive drug ring out of a prison, which they do. They they do that quite successfully for a little bit. And then in 2002, the police launched Operation Midway. And I really genuinely don't know how the fuck they're naming any of this. <laughs> Midway? Midway. And this was an undercover operation that arrested 81 people involved in the drug industry and shut down uh, related businesses that were laundering money and trafficking drugs. And uh, BJ and Jimmy Jr. were both caught in this raid and had their sentences expanded. And quite a few of their associates and friends were arrested in this raid, including Jimmy Jr. and BJ's own mothers, who did a year and a year and a half in jail. Well, I mean, you do what you can for your children. You just want to be a supportive mom. You know, like, you know, he's trying to get his life back together. You know, he's selling some coke, you know, some hashish. I just, I just want to support him. <laughs> hey, my mom never fucking helped me sell, start a criminal mastermind drug I, ring. Like, I'm honestly a bit hurt at this I'm point. I'm a little wounded. I'm a little wounded. What if I wanted to be a knuckle-dragging <laughs> drug lord? And you're like, you know, like, mom, you said you'd always support me. You'd always be there for me, but you, you won't even let me run a drug smuggling ring out of a prison? All you did was pay my tuition. <laughs> You don't care about me. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, this is 2002, and this is around the time that the feud between the two families actually gets started. Um, So nobody actually knows what the fuck these guys are fighting over, by the way. Like, this is is not a feud that I I assume that they know, but these are not sophisticated criminal masterminds who are fighting over, like, territory or something. These are uneducated hillbillies who are slinging coke in the boonies. Like, they might not actually know what they're fighting about we, we It is well documented demented that they are angry, but the why is lost to time. It is. Like, they've been, <laughs> they've been fighting for 15 years now, and nobody can fucking... Nobody has ever actually figured out why they're mad at each other. Because they used to work together. and Really, they should get along. They should. They have so much in common. Well, so far, their feud mostly consists of just hurling Molotov cocktails into buildings and then shooting each other. Um, So the highlights of, like, the feud up until uh, Jimmy Melvin Jr. gets out of jail, because he's really the most entertaining person in this entire story. Um, In the beginning, the first real incident was a Molotov cocktail and five bullets hit a house owned by Jimmy Melvin Sr., um, which is, I guess, one way to ding-dong ditch your neighbors. In 2006... I mean, at least it's not dog shit. Is that... Is that better? Is, is It's more sanitary. firebombing somebody's home better than dog shit? It is more sanitary. Is that... Is that really what we're going with? 
I mean, my living room's gone, but at least I didn't have to, like, touch dog poo. <laughs> I just, like, it, it makes me uncomfortable. It's, it's, it's not healthy. It you, spreads diseases. You have a dog. And do I pick up her poop? No. I mean, it's your sister's dog. But it's my sister's dog. And therefore, it is my sister's poop. i'm not sure that that's true she has she gets to own that (laughs) oh christ Uh, me and the dog we're just friends (laughs) (laughs) we're not we're on a poop touching basis that's a little too intimate in humans and in dogs most people never reach that stage of intimacy with another human i mean we can only hope to reach such heights of closeness (laughs) gross no i'm good i'm gonna take a hard pass So Wayne Marion... Can I throw Malatov cocktails at your house? I would prefer that you not. I live on the seventh floor of an apartment building. I've got an arm. (laughs) (laughs) I live in downtown Edmonton. That's that's terrorism (laughs) at that point. That's just straight up terrorism. I mean, it wasn't intended to scare anybody. Just me. (laughs) It was a sign I was expressing my love. (laughs) With fire. With fire. (laughs) So in 2006... Your uh, passion... While sitting in a parked car, a cousin of the Marriott family named Wayne Marriott was shot to death. And Jimmy Jr. was the prime suspect, but he was released after all the key witnesses mysteriously changed their stories. I'm honestly thinking that these people had a massive impact on the rough population of Spryfield. I think they did. Like, I think they've, they've changed this town forever. Like, not just in people they've killed, but people who are just like, Welp, that's enough for me. I'm out. <laughs> I think... I mean, they did eventually vote to become part of Halifax, so this might be it. Just like, fuck it, we need the Halifax police in here constantly. Please, someone. Please, God. Uh, <laughs> the story of how Jimmy Jr. actually be- got arrested for Wayne Marriott's murder. I would murder. move to Dildo if I had to deal, deal with dildo that. Manito- R- no, dildo, Manitoba. No, Dildo, Newfoundland. Newfoundland, that's right. I'd move to Newfoundland. I'd move to small town Newfoundland. That's enough. It's a perfectly pleasant place. Yeah. I've heard Dildo is lovely. And you get to be half an hour ahead of the rest of Canada. Yeah. Delightful. Lucky bastards. So the story of how Jimmy Jr. came to be arrested for Wayne Marriott's murder is amazing. And it's actually what inspired me to pick this for a topic, but we're going to come back to that. Uh, On the feud, Jimmy Sr.'s payday loan company, because of course he owned a payday loan company. Of course. Of course, was destroyed by firebombing. Payday loan companies are only this far, like like an inch away from crime They're basically criminal enterprises anyway. They exploit the poor. Yep, so I mean, it was firebombed, maybe they did the town a favor. B.J. Marriott's home was shot at the next day. Somebody went out and firebombed Billy Marriott's widow. What? <laughs> okay, you can firebomb a payday loan store, but when you are firebombing widows... You might be evil. You you might need to question your orientation. I mean, take up a hobby. Like if, <laughs> Go if, for a walk. Uh, count to ten. Maybe, like, I'm like... Find God if you want to, but even just cross-stitch. <laughs> <laughs> Relaxing cross-stitch where nobody dies. Yeah, just meditate for a bit. Breathe in, breathe out. Look at the Molotov cocktail in your hand and look at that lady across the street and think, she's had enough. <laughs> I better not. <laughs> I better not. Um, I think that level of metacognition might be beyond, the, be, be, be beyond this, these people, though. <laughs> Oh, I, I think it's just point and shoot, this whole thing. Uh, so somebody tried to assassinate Jimmy Sr., the patriarch of the Melville, Melvin family. They attempted to gun him down outside a pizza shop in Spryfield. So I assume date night in Spryfield is just fucking terror. It's, it's, just... it's a little more exciting than I would prefer on a first, second, third, or fiftieth date. <laughs> Jimmy Jr.'s best friend, 
Jason Hallett, who was heavily involved in the Melvin family activities, he was shot in the doorway of the IWK Children's Hospital in Halifax as he was leaving from visiting his newborn baby. They shot up a children's hospital? Yeah, they hospital? shot him in the doorway of a children's hospital. A children's in, hospital? In, like, broad daylight. Like this. And a pizza place? Yeah, pizza place and a children's hospital. As a, it's, it's a hospital. I don't know which is worse. In Halifax for women and children. Actually, I do. Yeah. It's the hospital. I was going to say pizza. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the entire community needs needs pizza. Only children and women need need. Need Child- hospitals? Need children's and women's <laughs> hospitals. Men just walk it off. <laughs> just walk off the bullet wound. <laughs> well, he did survive. I mean, he, he lived, See? I guess. Like a man. Like a man. Uh, he survived, and a Marriott was jailed for the assassination attempt. And um, it was they found out that the mastermind of this whole thing was a man named Jeremy LeBlanc, because we can't get through a story about the Maritimes without encountering at least one person named LeBlanc. Um, he was a lifelong friend of the Melvin family, actually, who happened to be sitting in the car next to poor Wayne Marriott when he got shot. And so after the the death of Wayne Marriott, he actually secretly switched sides. So there's... <laughs> he probably got, like, blood on his lapel or something. Oh, he got shot, too, but he, he oh, happened geez. to survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This whole thing. They hate each other so fucking much, they'll shoot they their own They got a bullet hole, hole in his clothes. Yeah, like, how angry do you have to be where you're just like, Oh, man, my buddy LeBlanc's in that car. Nah, but I am. But that Wayne, he didn't pay me back for pizza last week. Mm. <laughs> Welp. <laughs> oh, God. So, Terry Marriott Sr., the patriarch of the Marriott side, was murdered on February 20th, 2009. Um, he was shot to death while sleeping on a French couch, a friend's couch. And somehow, in true Marriott versus Melvin fashion, five other people were in the house at the time of the murder, and none of them managed to see or hear anything. Wow. Just sudden, selective, life-preserving blindness and deafness. Yep, the police came by, and they had no idea how that a man had been shot in their home. Just, we didn't hear anything. Yeah, they, they just have, like, selective hearing loss, which is caused by their allergy to bullets. Yeah, none of them saw anything. Um... It's assumed that, uh, I, well, I'm going to get into this, but it, it's, it's assumed that Jimmy Melvin Jr. did this. Um, Terry Sr., oh no, sorry, it wasn't Terry Sr. that was killed, it was Terry Jr. It was actually Terry Jr., the younger one. I can't believe you're confusing these completely distinct, easy-to-understand names and lineages. Right? I just wrote Terry Marriott. This is a fucking mistake. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. There's too many Terrys. Well, after Terry Jr.'s death, Terry Sr. had actually been out of the game for a while. He was an old man. He hadn't been arrested since 1999. And after his son's murder, three years later, he was arrested in 2012 for drug trafficking. And he claimed that he'd gotten back in the game to find his son's killer. Which, I mean, he sort of did. Um, I think that's like a too much too honorable of a framing. I don't know how you actually find your son's killer by slinging cocaine in rural Spryfield. Like, why are you? Why do you have twelve tons of cocaine, sir? Well, you see, well, I'm, I'm here investigating. To, I'm investigating. I'm here to find my son's killer. Yeah, I mean, it was he was that is such game. video game logic. <laughs> oh God. Um. So this all brings us to like the best member of either of these families which is Jimmy Melvin Jr. He is by far the most entertaining person in this whole thing. I mean, he's awful. 
But he, he is entertaining. He's entertaining. At the if at the very least, don't bore us. <laughs> no, do not bore us. So, in spring of two thousand six, Melvin Jr. was a person of interest in the murder of Wayne Marriott, the one who got shot to death in the parked car, um, and he was wanted by police. So, the police actually released his name and photo to the Nova Scotia public for help tracking him down. Specifically noting that he's armed and dangerous. So they're looking for this guy. His photo is out to the public. A couple of weeks later, they actually arrest him in a bar fight. Because of course they do. Every man, woman, and child knows that this dangerous individual is on the loose and they've seen his face. No, 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 no. They just arrest random fucking drunk assholes in a bar fight. Close enough. Close <laughs> enough. And uh, They're on the case. <laughs> as a criminal mastermind, he gives them a fake name. And of a fake course. ID. Did he call himself, what was it? Woldenberg or whatever? <laughs> no, it's, it's too distinctive. I don't know what they went with. I don't. I think he could have gone with, like, Tony McSmith. Like, I think you could have gone with absolutely fucking anything. Because it worked. It actually worked. They pick up a man whose photo has been circulating Nova Scotia for weeks. Weeks. With his name. And, like, he's... And there is no way these people have not seen it. No. They're the they're police. They're the police. They've, they've the ones circulating it. They pick him up in a bar fight. He gives them a fake name and they fucking believe him. This is like one step above just blaming it on your evil twin. Like, that. this is the level of criminal mastermind here. And so while, like, sitting in a drunk tank in Digby, trying to figure out how the uh, hell he's gonna Digby get... Digby drunk Yeah, tanks. Digby, Nova Scotia. Digby, Nova Scotia. He's trying to... I mean, if you live in the Maritimes, eventually I think you end up in a drunk tank in Digby. That's just... That's it, just it's life. Just, it's just... It's, it's, a, it's a rite of passage for <laughs> everyone. Well, he's trying to figure out how the hell he's gonna get out of this, so he tells the officers... That he knows Jimmy Melvin Jr. Yeah. And he brings up himself? He brings himself up and he Risky says... Risky tactic! If they agree to let him go, he will totally take them to Jimmy Melvin Jr. So again, again, he's now mentioned Jimmy Melvin Jr. And this fucking works again. They do. They actually do. They transfer him to the Halifax police, who then drive... They're all right. They're, they're just like, all right, Tim Schmelvin... Uh, senior, I'm glad to hear that. You take us right to this Jim Melvin Jr. <laughs> no, this works. The Halifax police drive around with him for hours looking for Jimmy <laughs> Melvin Jr. At which point, like, there's, they don't really explain how they let him go, but I guess they just go, whoops, like, he's not home after all. And they oh, let God, him geez. go. They let him go. And only after they release him did the cops figure out that they drove him around for fucking hours looking for himself. And by the time that they they're figure just, this out, it's way too late to save face. Like, oh, yeah. Like, they're just driving around. They're thinking, there's something about this guy. You know, keep looking know. at his face like, something mm. familiar. Is this like, my, do, you, do you know so-and-so? Have hey, we met before? Have we met? Like, Wait, where'd you go to high school? Where'd you, where'd you, did you? Is, do you, what's your mom's maiden name? Yeah, no, that's... And they, it works. He gets away. They eventually... They, they do get him eventually after a six-hour standoff at a seedy motel in Bedford, which eventually, like, again, it's like a maritime rite of passage. You know, having <laughs> you know drunk tank in Digby, seedy motel in, in Bedford. Bedford. Yeah, all the sites. Um, yeah. And they Library get, slash skate park in, in Spryfield. They, they pick him up. I mean, again, like, this was the murder where everybody, nobody will testify. Because nobody ever testifies in these things. But he's he's not done yet. This is not even the best thing that he's done. Um, so in 2009, he was out of jail and apparently facing charges related to an attempted prison arson. 
he pulled off with his brother. So he's he's out. These people set everything on fire. Yeah, and like I prisons, homes, payday loan stores, widows. Yeah, they had they had apparently pulled a sprinkler out of the ceiling or deactivated it, broke it somehow, and were caught attempting to set the prison on fire. And I think the fact that he was out of jail facing these charges really shows how forgiving the Nova Scotia correctional system really is. It's like, eh, who hasn't tried to set a prison on fire? So while out of jail, oh my god, what the hell? <laughs> Did that one just catch up with yeah, you? Yeah, that one just, that took a second. <laughs> I just assumed that since you grew up in, like, Grand Prairie that your life has been terrible, but holy shit, Jessica. I grew up, I grew up in a, in a reasonably well-to-do area. Just kidding. I grew up in a duplex next to an abusive family. <laughs> oh, yay. The true it, rural experience. It was very upsetting. Uh, well, at least it wasn't jail arson. We, we had to move <laughs> because my father was worried that he was going to do something one day. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> Grand Prairie. <laughs> this is why you think murders are funny. <laughs> Wait, they're not? <laughs> oh, Christ. So, while out of jail, um, Jimmy Melvin Jr. gets the idea to hire an actual publicist and decided to launch an actual website for himself called reallivestreetshit.com which is sadly defunct because it was I, I, beautiful. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't mean to question the capability <laughs> of a professional but, but streetshit.com reallifestreetshit.com real real, reallifestreetshit.com I don't think his PR guy was really very good. No. I feel like I want to buy this Earl and just, I don't know, maybe we'll make that our podcast website. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very street. Real life street shit. You can tell, you can tell that someone has, is very street by the way that they pause right before saying street and sound deeply uncertain. <laughs> like they, they've lost control of their lives I don't and, actually, and don't quite yeah. know who they are anymore. I don't think you could sound more like middle to upper class suburban while you say that. <laughs> which is which is interesting because, again, duplex. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the website had pictures of him flashing his wads of Canadian money, which like... Oh, that is a relief. <laughs> if you've seen Canadian money, like, there's not really a less cool looking currency to flash around. It is not. It is no. not. It is purple. It is yeah, blue. Yeah, here's my fistfuls of, like, multi... If you're flashing blue, it- then that's fives. Oh yeah, he's just, like I just imagine with like a handful of, of fives. handful of fives. No, like f- even fifties are like bright red. Yeah, they're bright red, and like, I, I was just brown. There's like a weird, Holy. gross brown. But they're like they're plastic, and they I mean they weren't plastic at the time. They're plastic now with these little see-through windows in them. But but it's not cool-looking money. It is like one it's step not. away from monopoly money. It is actually it looks like monopoly money. Whenever I travel in the states and I actually like pull out Canadian money, people are like, <laughs> no. Yeah, the one the one good thing about it is like you can tell it apart. You can tell it apart. Yeah, like, at a glance, I'm like, I when I when I have American money, I'm like, is that a is that like oh shit. this is a five like shit that's a hundred. <laughs> like, well, look at you. I don't want Are to you dealing drugs in the states. I mean, not currently. Well, I, no, you know nothing about drugs this whole episode. I know There's nothing no about. Maybe, There's no way you're. A maybe drug it's just like an all like a clever ploy on my part to convince you that I know nothing about drugs. Aha! Mm-hmm. Playing way too much of a long game here. <laughs> But I was I was super relieved when you're just like holding flashing wads of Canadian cash. You're like, oh, thank oh, thank goodness. God. Oh, phew. oh, thank goodness. But again, like <laughs> he had glamour shots of himself with his bullet wounds and his colostomy bag. <laughs> <laughs> 
his colostomy bag. Yeah, no, he has a visible colostomy bag in the images. Okay. All right, yeah. And he made an honest-to-God highlight reel of his criminal activity. Set to music. Oh, that's classy. Isn't it? And I can't, I really can't stress this enough. He hired an actual publicist to tell him that this was a good idea. I mean, what a better way to waste money. Yep, he also has his motto, which is, there is no rats in the Melvin family, which proves that he did not hire a grammar checker. Colostomy bag. Colostomy bag. And and then he had a video of himself saying, who wants to get rich or die? I ain't dying and I'm rich. And again, this is a dude with a colostomy bag hanging off him. And there's nothing that says I'm actually fucking dying quite like a colostomy bag. Colostomy bag. He has bullet wounds in these videos. Like, I understand why the bullet wounds, but not the... Like, like, well, like I don't think bullet wounds are that impressive looking in person. I think it's sort of like, here's my infected piece of flesh. Gaze upon it. <laughs> Look, I once <laughs> wounded myself. I mean, sure, it could be a mild burn, but it's definitely a bullet They're wound. They're just gross. Like, here's, here's gross, broken flesh. Gaze <laughs> upon it. Like, that's... No. Colostomy bag. Nope. So we're totally still not done. He actually just continues to be a ridiculous fucking like, person. look at me. I was wounded once, so now I can't keep my insides on the inside. Yeah, here's Colostomy a bag, bag of shit that hangs off me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> literal I, I, shit. I can no longer keep my keep my bowels where they're supposed to be. See, so everybody who knew Melvin Jr. got to the poop-touching stage of intimacy very quickly. Wow. <laughs> right? That's, that's real family. That's um so like this is this is still going so in july 2015 two years ago wait one second okay we're going back to the colostomy bag (laughs) i don't want to stigmatize having a colostomy bag i want (laughs) to stigmatize thinking having a colostomy bag is gangster <laughs> like you don't want little kids to buy Halloween costumes that have like bling and the hat and a bandana and then, and then like, like a fake colostomy bag. A fake bag. colostomy bag. I don't want don't that to that be like be cool? the new blinged out colostomy bag like trend. <laughs> I I want to move away from that as a culture. I don't want that to start. I don't think it. I don't think it ever did. This is. This was like any any is too much. <laughs> one glamour shot of a colostomy bag is one too many. That is that is too much for this world of heartache and woe. <laughs> oh my god! I, I think I'm over it now. Okay, we're we're good. I think we can move on. I think we can move on. But I mean, you know, we can move on. <laughs> but I mean, it is a glamour shot of colostomy bag. Okay, I'm done. Okay. Um. So in 2015, Melvin Jr. was arrested for the murder of Terry Jr., who's the one who got shot in the head while taking a nap on a couch. Um, back in 2009, you can tell you're a real gangster when you shoot someone in the face while they're sleeping. Yeah, that's that's really brave. He was also charged with attempted murder of the same dude in 2008. Uh, so he really wanted this dude dead. When cops searched his vehicle when they first arrested him, they found marijuana, marijuana residue or resin, coke. Crack cocaine, drug paraphernalia, and hydromorphone pills in the car, and in the hotel room he'd rented with his girlfriend nearby. Um, The police actually noted in these police reports and in the articles that followed that under the front seat of the car they found something called prison packs of marijuana and tobacco, which are, and I quote, cylindrical in shape and wrapped in cellophane intended for insertion into the rectum. Excellent. So that's a cool thing to get caught with in your car. 
Don't um, give that to the guy with the colostomy bag. I'm really glad that they knew what it was, though, because I feel like as a cop, I would just be picking it up and like, oh, what's yeah, this? Look at this. Like, hey, oh. hey, hey, Brian, please, would... put, please put that down. Please what don't do you touch mean? that. <laughs> Go wash your hands. That's disgusting. <laughs> like, that would be like the, that's the kind of thing where you want to learn what it is before you pick it up or after you've put it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to find that out while you're holding it. It's like, oh, what is this? Look at the fun little way to package this tobacco. Is, this is weird. Like, oh, you put glasses that. in this? Or... Cool. Jim? Jim? No. What? Jim. <laughs> Spit up his butt. Put it down. <laughs> um, so, M- Jimmy Melvin Jr. was taken to the Dartmouth Correctional Facility, which is where he still lives. Mostly in solitary confinement. Probably to stop him from setting it on fire. He is unmanageable, apparently. So this past summer, in August 2016, he appeared before the Nova Scotia Supreme Court via video link. So they had him on the... They had this video link set up, and he comes on screen in a thick, collarless, sleeveless gown. So this is is called a suicide gown. They were invented, actually, because they used to just put suicide risks in naked into cells, which was undignified. So this gown is too thick to use to hang yourself, which is a mm. cheerful little fun fact I thought oh, I would add. Oh, that is fun. Right? Isn't that fun? Oh, that's delightful. Yeah. So they he was issued one of those, and it's not really unusual that he was wearing a suicide gown. What was unusual was that when he came on screen, the gown was completely open all the way down the front, and he was not wearing underwear. It was probably to show off his colostomy bag. He No, he was just, it was to show off his dick. <laughs> We're going, Dick. Greetings, Supreme Court of Nova Scotia. Behold! Behold! (laughs) So he actually stood there, gyrating his hips and helicoptering his penis in front of the Nova Scotia Supreme Court. (laughs) Don't die. (laughs) And the whole time he's telling the guards, quote, you guys got me fucking retarded because nothing makes you look competent. It's their fault that you look like a crazy person right now. Yes. Clearly, (laughs) the reason why the Supreme Court of Nova Scotia, one of the highest courts in the land, but not the highest, uh, are looking upon you with dismay showing through their usually thick veneer of professional courtesy and and detachment. The reason why they are doing that <laughs> it's not at the, all because you're whipping is, your dick around. It is nothing to do with the current helicopter motion you are making with your flaccid member. <laughs> it does not mention whether it was flaccid or fully erect. I don't know what, what makes it worse, actually. I'm not sure. I don't know which one's worse. I prefer flaccid. I assume prisons are cold. I presume they're cold. I mean, he's half naked in a prison cell with a video link. And he's... He's whipping it around, and I don't imagine the Supreme Court of Can- uh, of Nova Scotia is particularly sexually stimulating. <laughs> no offense, any judges who might be listening. I just assume you they were in their like the long black robes or whatever the Nova Scotian court wears. Like I don't know. You're gonna say lobsters. <laughs> I was not going to say lobsters. I, I'm I'm glad that you've joined me in in our in our grotesque stereotyping of the maritime I have provinces. to go there like several times a year to visit my parents. <laughs> I, I assume just like head to head to toes coonskin. <laughs> oh, it's worse. Oh, it's worse. <laughs> um, Maybe with like little lobster pins. You know, my parents, like, wear normal clothes, and they're not giant lobsters masquerading as people. 
that I mean, I, that I so know you say. So I say. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Sh- like, it, it's like the rep- uh, the the reptilians except lobsters. Like, oh, all of the God. leaders of Nova Scotia this are just my, secretly massive lobsters. This is my least favorite conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite conspiracy theory is that uh, they hired, the U.S. government hired Stanley Kubrick to fake the moon landing. But... Uh, because he's such an auteur, he insisted on doing it on loca- doing doing it on location. That's, what? Why is that a Why is that a theory? I, I think it's just my theory. I think that this is this this is not so much a conspiracy theory, like that is like shared among the populace is like my personal favorite. That like NASA couldn't get to the moon, but like Stanley Kubrick could through like sheer force of abusive. Neurotic will. I I mean, if anyone could, if any director could, I believe Stanley Kubrick could push actors to the point where they would they would gleefully launch themselves into the moon. We need to make you go outside. That guy more. was intense. You need to go outside more. <laughs> I don't like the outside. Clearly. <laughs> um, so while back to Melvin Jr.'s penis. Um, so Very important. While he's on the video link, they actually had to stand there and watch him fight the guard who was trying to fasten his gown up. <laughs> and he only stopped fighting. You the cannot g- pay me enough. No, he only got he only stopped fighting the guard when he got tired of it, and he wanted to instead complain about the fact that he was handcuffed. Which, like, since he's the sort of man who will violently gyrate his penis in front of a judge, <laughs> I feel like was justified. I mean, I normally am, you know, like, like I don't believe in a lot of force. I think that as much as possible, we should give prisoners, you know, a reasonable level of freedom. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're naked. Like, if you cannot concentrate for long enough to get through a, a hearing with the Supreme Court of Nova Scotia... With your pants on. With your pants on. <laughs> you're, you're, getting, you're getting the shiny bracelets. Oh my god. Uh, so he's he's still in jail. He his murder trial actually starts in May of this year, and for some reason he will do the murder trial in May of 2017, and then the attempted murder trial in uh, September. Huh. I guess in case they they can't get him on the murder trial because nobody saw anything. No. Five people were in the house nobody. and none of them saw shit. Huh. So yeah. So where we stand now, pretty much everybody involved in the Marriott Melvin family is uh, in prison or dead. Awesome. So this could be the end of the feud, or it could be that the younger generation, because when I say like Jimmy Melvin Jr., like he acts like a 17-year-old, but this is a grown man. You know, that's sort of an odd thing to think about. Right? Like, hope for the future. Terry Jr. has grown children. Like there, yeah. there is a third generation here. There's who could, a third generation who could out pick there up at any time. Who could pick up the... Carry the torch Pick on up that into torch. the future. Oh. Carry on that torch of prison packs... Glamour shots with colostomy bags, and just run that, run that into the future. Carry on, my wayward son. (laughs) You know, tradition, you know? Oh, God. Well, that's great. I'm glad that some, some families have, you know, they open their presents on Christmas Eve, and some families have special foods that they make for holidays, and some families shoot their enemies in the fucking face. While they sleep. Good family tradition. Good talk. I mean... It's unique, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, that is uh, another episode of shitting all over the Maritimes <laughs> and the people who live there. Um, I'm never going to be able to go home again. <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> well, you live in Grand Prairie. That's not true freedom. 
<laughs> we all have our cross to bear. Yeah, yours yours has a lot of liquor stores. <laughs> we had we once uh, right near my house. We had three liquor barns, all within a block of each other. You say that like it's not a, liquor stores. Yeah, no liquor specifically liquor barn liquor is barns. A, it's a it's a franchise out here. Yes, yes. And that's you say it like it's a good thing when actually it's just well in, they incredibly to, sad. They managed to wear down their c- competition and Every, buy them out. Everybody in Grand Prairie is dying of serious. Basically. Right now. Well, some of them are dying of, of other things. That doesn't... Mostly mean... stabbing. Again, like, you keep... What the fuck? <laughs> you keep saying these things like they're good things, and then I just feel dead inside. Always look on the bright side of life. <laughs> okay. That has been another episode of Fat, French, and Fabulous. Yeah, we're gonna end it there, because holy shit. <laughs> Before I have a drinking problem, too. Uh, yeah, I have been Janelle Como, and I'm quite certain of that this time. My name is Jessica Smiley Pigeot. <laughs> and you're gonna get shot in the face. Right in the face. Alright. Congratulations, you made it through another episode of Fat, French, and Fabulous. We actually have a small update in this case. So we record our episodes weeks in advance, just in case one of us gets hit by a bus. Um, but when we first recorded this episode, it was in early May, and Jimmy Melvin Jr.'s murder trial was just starting. Um, Early last month, he was actually acquitted of that murder charge. He was found not guilty of the murder of Terry Marriott Jr. Um, This isn't the end of prison for Jimmy Melvin Jr. He's still in prison, and he's going to stand trial for the 2008 attempted murder of the same guy in early September. So if you're interested in this case, if you want to follow more about these guys, be sure to keep an eye out for that trial when it happens. In the meantime, thanks so much to all of you who listen to this podcast, who subscribe, who share it, and those of you who have written reviews for us. Thank you so much. If you like our podcast and you haven't done any of those things, um, we would very much appreciate it if you did. You can find us anywhere that podcasts exist for the most part. We're available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, apps like Overcast. You can subscribe to us there and validate our existence, which we would very much appreciate. And if you're having a hard time getting through the entire week between episodes, feel free to follow us on all of the social media. We're available on Facebook at Fat French and Fabulous. We're on Twitter at Fat French Fab. And you can follow us individually, at least on Twitter and probably not in real life. I'm on Twitter. I'm at VeryBadLlama. And Jessica is also on Twitter at IAmNotAlungFish. You can follow us there just in case you need something to get you through from Wednesday to Wednesday. And in the meantime, we will see you next week. Thanks so much.